welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Women in Leadership and Management Roles. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest today. Visiting from Atlanta, Georgia, here in Northern California, San Francisco Bay Area. This person is the Director of Operations and Customer Service for the Housing and Urban Development Company or organization, uh, HUD as it's called. And we're going to let her explain that to us a little bit. But I'm very pleased and proud to have this guest in the house. And her name is Evel Edwards-Lee. And I'm going to let her jump in right away and introduce herself. Ladies and gentlemen, if I may, Ms. Evel Edwards-Lee. Evel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for having me this afternoon on a rainy Sunday. Yes, ma'am. Rainy Sunday indeed. Well, the we have a common bond, us two. And it's that she happens to be my sister-in-law. But, you know, we went ahead and took that in-law off there. She's just my sister, man. That's why we just sitting in here chopping it up a little bit. And like so many different uh, themes in this particular podcast, we want to focus on important issues for us all. And I think one of the important issues that we all operate from is coexisting in our workplace. And uh, it just so happens that, you know, women in the workplace, you know, they may have to adjust themselves differently sometimes than men do. So I think this focus on uh, her being our, her, our first woman guest is really important for us. So the first thing I would ask you, Val, is honestly, you've been a manager or in a leadership role for a very long time in a government facility, which is very spit and polish and very firm. So I'm going to maybe go historically back a little bit and see if we could uh, take that journey with you. You started in a lesser position, though, didn't you, a couple of years ago? So tell us about your beginning with HUD. Well, actually, I've worked for HUD for 43 years. I know I don't look as <laughs> You don't look 40. <laughs> you don't look it, baby. You look great. I started from the ground and worked my way up. I began as a clerical, in a clerical position um, in San Francisco, working for... Um, a division that managed HUD properties, sold and repaired HUD properties. So I was in school at the time and um, applied for a federal position and became a clerical, again, position at HUD. And um, over the years, I've worked myself, my way up through the organization in, I think, 13 positions that I've actually had. 13? Yes, 13 wonderful jobs. Um, all with HUD, and it's been a delightful uh, career. Wow. Now, 13 positions, gosh, are those the amount of promotions that you've had, or have you had multiple promotions within the 13? They've been promotions. They've been different opportunities, both in single-family and in multifamily property management and development. Um, in the Office of Housing Counseling, wow. Loan Servicing, Marketing and Outreach, um, I've done a variety um, development of public housing here in the um, Bay Area and in the state of Nevada. So I've had a very broad career. I was an office manager in the Fresno office for approximately four years and now am in Atlanta. 
that is just amazing and beautiful. I, I think general growth and development is always important for all of us, let's face it. But that much depth in the same organization here in our contemporary world is different. Unheard of. Right? Anymore? It's a phenomenon. You don't, I don't find many people that are with an organization, a company for as many years as I have. Been. It's really, but I've really enjoyed good. every job I've done. I've, it's been a pleasure working with um, my co- colleagues as well as external to the as a public servant. Yeah, it's, I imagine that's what it translates to, doesn't it? Being Absolutely. a public servant, right? You got to love the work and love the people to do. I mean, HUD is about people yes, uh, and is. properties and getting them, you know, stable and comfortable in their living environments, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and the laws that go along with it. Yes, and there are many. It is a bureaucracy. Right. Um, but we work with a lot of nonprofits, um, local governments, um, private entities, and what have you. So um, we're not just a bureaucracy. We work with um, any number of external customers as well, mm-hmm. partners as well. Now, when you, you joined on for HUD, did you have a mentor specifically for HUD, or did you just you know apply and just kind of jump in? I applied for the job. I took the test, applied for the job, and just happened to, um, again, come in at a, at a clerical level. And over the years, I have had a number of mentors in various capacities, some of which I worked um, one-on-one with and some of whom I got to know over a period of time, people who looked out for me, people who counseled me, um, wrote, and I watched their, what they did on a daily basis. Um, I learned a great deal and they were um, great leaders. And um, so I've been very fortunate in that regard to have had um, a career that involves so many um, just polished professional leadership type people, both male and female. Mm-hmm. And that uh, beginning position you had was not in leadership. It was simply following orders and doing what you needed to do, right? Absolutely. So humility was a big part of that. Absolutely. You know, in a calm, cool, collected, you know, positive work ethic, you know, just getting to work on time and doing what you're told. Right? Yeah, I think part of um, the beginnings of what shapes leadership is is the ability to follow and be led, mm-hmm. um, take direction, um, and and guidance and what have you. So um, it's not it doesn't begin as a leadership. You don't think of it in that regard. But over time, as you grow and develop in your career and watch others as they lead and you're promoted along the way, um, you become your own individual type of leader. You're not necessarily mimicking someone's style. You develop your own style over time. And that comes with growth. Um and skill development. It's true. And, you know, there's a quote from an author, Richard Bach, and it states that we teach best what we most need to learn. Right. So it's interesting how along the way you find yourself, you know, developing yourself along the way. I also have heard uh, Oprah Winfrey talk about Donahue and how she followed him specifically in her first shows and decided, wait a second, I'm going the wrong, I'm not Donahue, I'm me, so I need to do something the way I do it. So I I guess you would agree with that. Absolutely, you develop your own style, what works for you personally, because you, if you try to emulate or be someone other than who you are, it doesn't quite work out as well. You're not comfortable and you wanna be consistent in whatever that style is of leadership, you know, you want to appear, appear to be pure, you know, fluid, not fake, not mm-hmm. you know, trying to mimic, never 
doesn't come across well. People pick up on that um, sincerity. You know, you have your own personal style, and I think mm-hmm. that's critical to be believed and for people to follow you. Mm-hmm. They have to see that uniqueness mm-hmm. in, in you, and um, mm-hmm. it's, it has to come natural. Mm-hmm. Now, do you remember the early days, maybe a bit of nerves, because you weren't long out of your parents' home when you took that position. Do you remember the early days, maybe a little nervous? I remember being nervous, but I also remember being thrown into a pool like to and made to swim. Um, I was part of a task force. I was very young in my career. Um, I was working a task force for Washington, and so it required that I travel, go to different offices, meet and work with different people. Um, I had to adapt and adjust to different um individual style people in the organization. I traveled all over the country when I and um, over time. And I, one of the things that I remember was you don't believe that you are the expert, but what you know can't be taken away from you. Um, and people are they yearn for the information. And so as you learn and you carry and bring that information to others, um, you become more confident um, in who you are and what you have to offer. So over time, even though I was young and I was meeting different people, I knew my my business. I knew my work. I knew my role. I understood um, what my mission was. That was important and I had confidence. And the more I spoke to others and they called upon me, I, it just developed over time that I knew what I knew. And people can't take what you know from you. So it, I became comfortable in that um, public speaking, mm-hmm. teaching, um, because again, I knew my job. Mm-hmm. Well, these are important perspectives to pay attention to, certainly because you can't do your job well if you don't have a sense of confidence and a sense of uh, positive perspective. I think we, 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 uh, we dry on the vine if, in fact, we aren't getting better and stronger and sharper along the way. So it's good to, to note that we are getting sharper and take confidence in it. Now, it's interesting. You're an African-American female. um, And, you know, it's important to recognize who we are as people. So I would ask, was that a multicultural environment that you worked in in the beginning? It was very much so. um, Women and men alike, people of different, um, very diverse backgrounds in San Francisco, actually, is where I began my career. And um, so I there were several African-American women and Asian, Mm -hmm. I mean, particular Mm -hmm. Asian Mm -hmm. um, American who, you know, I watched not so much their ethnicity was not as critical in the watching as it was how they. Performance behavior. Yeah. yeah, I just admired their style, Mm -hmm. their confidence, their posture, their professionalism um, and how they managed um, daily um, issues, uh, meetings, um, being being leaders. So, you know, it wasn't so much about their ethnicity as it was, again, their style and their confidence mm-hmm. that really I saw in them. So your first leaders, as it were, you know, people like to call them bosses, but I think bosses doesn't always capture exactly what people are. I mean, managers may be more specific. Directors may be more specific. I I tend to like to give people the 
the, the credit for their positions. But did you have a male leader and, and was he a good leader or female leader, if I may ask, at first? At first, they were male mm-hmm. because I worked in a very male dominant dominated a profession, if not um, agency or company at that time. Um, fortunately, they were both well, African-American and mm. Caucasian, mm. you know, Asian, you know, again, with the Bay Area being very diverse, even back in the yes. 1970s, it was yes, very yes, diverse yes. leadership was. Yes. So um, that's what I saw mostly. But over time, again, I've been with HUD for 43 years. Mm-hmm. Over time, I saw women. Um, coming into positions, management positions, um, positions of um, of, uh, helping to establish policy and act policy, um, you know, leaders in their own right who were coming along as well. And this was in the 1970s, early 80s. So, you know, I saw it pretty early and maybe it's because it was um, in the federal government at that time. There was, again, a, um, a goal to promote diversity mm-hmm. um, in the federal government good, as well. Good, good. So um, I was able to, um, you know, adapt and, and mm-hmm. go from there. Did you see, do you think you saw more government involvement uh, like on a day to day than as opposed to now, meaning policy and procedure changing regularly or getting a word from a higher up that you should do this or that? Or uh, is it different now than before historically? Not so much policy and you know as our programs developed and grew they didn't come out of um agenda you know we have again um laws that have been enacted for equal opportunity in Mm -hmm. housing um for women equality and we've seen more in the federal government for family um uh support of families for medical leave Mm -hmm. for you know women who are working women. And you know, we've seen a lot of that in federal government, I think, um, and more so than in the private sector mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I know that we have, um, as federal workers, have grown um, and all benefited as a result of that. But um, the leadership aspect um, in terms of men, women, and over time, I don't think things have changed so much in that regard there are maybe more women in leadership roles um, that have come to federal government from the private sector, but I can't say that it's more diverse than the public sector. I think everybody's coming along in that regard. Um, But in the beginning, there was a very male-dominant leadership position. You know, there's a great segue into the involvement of women overall, period. Do you think that there are specific style differences as a rule, gender style differences, not even specific to people, but gender style differences, male to female in the leadership roles that you've seen? Well, it's changed over time. I mean, yeah. early in the 70s or 80s, you know, there weren't as many laws and um, men were, again, more dominant and women were secretaries. Mm. Women mm-hmm. had, you know, they were mm-hmm. followers. They mm-hmm. were not so much leaders. Yeah. And and then you saw as more women through um, some of them, unfortunately, by filing complaints um, were um, gave were given positions that were much deserved where they competed and maybe didn't have that opportunity. 
and things became to ch- began to change and then more women came in and and be- you saw more women in leadership. So as we as women became more empowered as managers and leaders, there was some change in terms of just the atmosphere, you know, going meetings, um, just how discussions were being had. You know, when the men were the predominant leaders and or um, overseers, so to mm-hmm. speak, um, they had a certain way they ran meetings and how they communicated and they were very comfortable. When women stepped in and they were in the room, things dynamics began mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the good old boys mm-hmm. anymore. And I'm mm-hmm. sure this is true, not just in the, in the public, corporate, I've but been corporate. A, that's right. You know, so women are in the room. So the conversation began to change um, and they men became more comfortable. It was not initially for women, you know, to speak up in those meetings. But I think women became emboldened, laws and rules. And more efficient at their jobs. Absolutely. So they had more to say. They, they and they started speaking right. out. And they right. and they hired, you know, women were hiring women and men. Men were hiring women. Men came along. There weren't, I didn't see where there were men that were um, fighting that change so much. Mm. Okay. Um, I, at least when I and at my agency didn't see that. Yeah. Now, maybe in some of the other federal organizations, but there was no real struggle as women came on the scene where things were substantially different. Mm-hmm. Yes, in terms of after work and, you know, the social piece, you know, there was a little bit more, um, less socialization. You know, we have the Me Too environment now. Precisely. So there are things that yeah. I remember back in the 70s, early 80s, that would never be acceptable. I remember for corporate too, let me tell you. Never be acceptable today. So, you know, I have seen that evolve. I have seen more women come on the scene. And in terms of how they relate, you know, men, some men were more sensitive and, you know, kind of coddled the women somewhat because we were subservient. You know, that whole man, you know, I need to protect... But then over time, that changed and women became so they were more self-assured. Um, we didn't need to be coddled. We um, had a voice. We became strong. And then the men, some fought it. Others were like, let them have it. You know, and over time, I think that has changed. Even in boardrooms, when you speak up, there were times when you spoke and no one listened. Now, when women are sitting across the table in the room at meetings, we have a voice. And that voice is being heard. So I've seen just a, a big change now in terms of of color mm. and or or um, and and that piece. It's it depends on the individuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see a lot of um, racial strife. I haven't seen that mm. um, at any time during the journey. I haven't. Well, that's haven't a credit to HUD. Isn't that a credit to HUD, don't you think? I haven't felt that that's way. That's really good. <laughs> you know, and so maybe I've just been fortunate. Strike one up for HUD, y'all. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I know there are people that may have filed complaints based well, on any EEO. Yeah, we're but I never, yeah. I, I believe my career has um, credited to my ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt wow. any form of, of sexual harassment. That's, I mean, preach. Um, I've, I've maybe been fortunate, and I don't know of even in my career. And you're not oblivious. You pay attention. Yeah, I know yeah, that for a fact. Yeah, I have not seen Good. that. 
Really in, in hood, at least. In the well, well, folks have accused men of being in these kinds of positions, at least historically, of being dictatorial and people who were men who were heavy handed and led with this. I'm the boss and you're not. So there you go. So if somehow in your career, gosh, and with 13 transitions, that's just a lot of depth. Right. And if you can't speak to HUD having put you in a position where you had to be compromised along the way by someone like that. That is just a wonderful plus. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with respecting each other. You know, I felt I was respected and I respected um, my colleagues, um, both my, my peers and my mentors and, of course, leadership. And I believe you you get what you give. Mm. And if you approach it in a very positive, uplifting, professional way, mm. that people will, will work with you from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as it stands, it seems that HUD, as an organization to work for, while this is not a, intended to be a HUD commercial, it is still effectively really saying some good things about them for somebody who's transitioned so many times. So my next segue would be to ask you, um, what, what was your favorite transition out of 13 along the way over many years? And again, what's the total years you worked for HUD now? I worked for HUD for 43 oh, years. Oh, man. It'll be 44 years oh, in May. Oh, man. That's crazy. And I think the, the position I held as a, it was a loan specialist servicer type position. Mm-hmm. And I worked in a unit that actually helped people to, um, withstand some difficult financial times mm. when they were losing their homes Yes, and they had um, actual FHA loans and we were able to approve individuals for what we referred to at that time as a loss mitigation mm. to help them uh, remain in their homes, recover from that difficult period wow. of um, default and some facing foreclosure so that they could maintain home ownership. So in working with them and actually approving them and getting them set up in a payment plan, allowing them, again, um, having experienced a difficult time financially to recover and, again, retain home ownership. Another aspect of that job was home buyer education. And I enjoyed that because, again, interacting with people in the community, people who wanted to to buy homes, um, that was very rewarding, um, how to um, pay down debt, how to manage their finances, um, and just teaching them the steps of home ownership. So it was very heartwarming, you know, having that personal connection with individuals um, to to enjoy the privilege of owning a home and to remain in that home, even through those, again, most difficult times. So it was a real sense of um, community for me, accomplishment. You know, we don't often get to see the fruits of our labor, but when you're able to touch individuals, families, um, communities, uh, that was that was very fulfilling for me. Do you think your team thinks this way, too, as a rule? I mean, the folks that you work with, is this something you guys talk about 
Or do you think it's just every individual feels different? They just go to work or they don't go to work. Is this a team ethic, you think? I think this is a mission for everyone that works at HUD, Mm -hmm. regardless of which program area you're in, Mm -hmm. whether you're in fair housing, public housing, multifamily or single family. Um, Our goal is to, um, again, look at affordable housing and the mission um, to to help uh, build sustainable communities, um, very diverse, again, communities. Uh, I think that the mission itself is very rewarding. And as a result, no matter which division you're in, for example, I'm in, in the director of operations and customer service now. So as you can see, the theme here again is customer service, mm-hmm. working with individuals, whether it's internal to the mm-hmm. organization in HUD mm-hmm. or external um, working with um, contractors. Now, a lot of what federal government has moved to is contracting. Mm-hmm. So we do have um, my role as a director. We touch a lot of aspects, not only of our internal administrative, how we're run administratively, but also um, the customer service aspect of dealing with individuals, with lenders, with communities, mm-hmm. and providing um instruction, guidance, um, support, um, and again, funding, again, contractors. So we are, um, I find throughout my career, I've really leaned very much toward internal and external customers working with people hands-on. You know, a lot of what we do is not in a vacuum. What we do mm-hmm. touch pe- touches mm-hmm. people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so HUD as an organization has allowed me to fulfill a civil servant, you know, um, role that I seem to enjoy on a personal level. That's who I am. So um, that's, it's been very rewarding. Again, all of my positions, but those in particular where I've had made a difference in someone's life has been just most fulfilling. No, that that is just great to hear. I think um, mostly because we all want to feel a sense of fulfillment in our positions, right? So it's good that you can say that, but then you you expand that to make it so that other people benefit and grow and are happy too. Uh, it's just an amazing win-win. So it's really good to hear. Absolutely. You know, now it's interesting. I, I think it's perfectly appropriate that you share that and how positive it's been for you, but you you can't have one side without the other. Right. That there are there are difficulties too, right? Yes. The whole theme of this sit down is to talk about women in leadership and in management positions, right? And every situation isn't perfect. I, I think that there's lots to grow and lots to learn from along the way. W- w- what can you share with us as some of the difficulty of making that adjustment for women along the way? Not just in HUD, but from your observation in business and or government. Uh, as a whole, uh, what do you see as one of the tougher transitions women have had to make? Well, I I believe we still live in a male-dominated society. And in the workplace, women still, at least I have on occasion, experienced a feeling of not being heard, mm-hmm. not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the ideas that you may have while oh, it may be a woman that has has developed or or created and someone else may come along and get the credit for that. Not always giving credit where credit is due. Um, having a 
still being somewhat subordinate on feeling that way on some occasions. Um, And I believe that that is more a male individual. It's something and call it a, um, I would say an insecurity Mm. on the part of Mm -hmm. that individual. It could be a male, could be a female, Mm -hmm. but um, for women, I believe we tend to, kind of sit back, lay back, and maybe not speak up or are reluctant to speak up um, because of potential retribution. So I I wouldn't really encourage women to, it's not always what you say, it's it's in what form, choosing the appropriate time and how you, you say that to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you just turn on and turn off. If you want to be taken seriously, then you have to present yourself in such a way as Mm -hmm. a professional Mm -hmm. individual. On occasion, you know, I've come across both men and women who are in professional and managerial experiences. You don't often know whether they're being serious or if they're there to be taken lightly. You really have to know those individuals or be observant and it takes time really mm-hmm. no matter who it might be to get a sense of of who they are you know if walking into a meeting and feeling what the the appropriate time to say something and how to say that and I don't think that's a male or female mm-hmm. I think it's just um, we as women you know that hard touch soft touch um, which is something a little different, I, I believe, in, in man's or male's um, dominated profession or in, in a corporate office. Um, women, oftentimes, when we're strong or, or let or speak up, we don't know, we get the, the negative, we get called something outside of who we are, the B word or whatever, you know, and because women being strong women, oftentimes, is not looked upon favorably. We still have that struggle where if we're direct, if we, how we, our tone, you know, we have to, or have been led to believe that we have to soften how we say things, our tone. And while a man can say something or or give a direction, direction a woman in that environment especially in situations where you're the woman and there are a number of men, you know, they don't always take you seriously. You're, oh, she's a female, you know, she's, it's, she's feeling her, her hormones, you know, we have to go there, you know, and, and that's not it at all. Or we're, we say something to be taken seriously and the gentleman might chuckle or, or kind of, be, there's still some belittling that occurs on occasion. Um, where women are being, again, direct, professional, they're knowledgeable, they're imparting information, unless there's, it's, it's got a, it's a tone thing for us. You know, a man can say the same thing, but if a woman says it, it's taken out of context on occasion. And I don't know, um, you would think that over time that would go away, but I think it's still pretty 
pretty dominant. Mm-hmm. You know? Nature's. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it no is. question about it. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that you are still fully aware of this after, you know, 43 years later and really paying your dues, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, I, and I love this because, I mean, you could advise accordingly, you know, women as they're, you know, making their journey forward. You know, there's an old phrase, we teach best by example. Right. And I'm willing to believe that you have been that example that helps people understand about how they conduct themselves. So I think it's, it's completely uh, positive and viable that you're expressing these differences right now because it's a it's a method of teaching. It's a method of saying, yo, you know, be advised that this happens, men and women be advised that this happens. Right. And so now when you first started leading your teams, how many people were on your teams versus how many you have now? And we can talk about complexity as we go forward. But what did you how would you start leading a team of five or a team of two or how did, how did that go as you transitioned? I think the the um, largest team, as I mentioned, I was the director of a field office um, here in California. And there were about 48, 50 mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that I managed. Some of them were directors or supervisors and with staff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, going into a um, single family home ownership center, as many as 13 Mm -hmm. in a team. Um, Now I manage a staff of 11 Mm -hmm. individuals and um, they're all professional Mm -hmm. um, positions, um, analyst positions. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my team They've all been relatively mid-range, mid-level teams, not in you know the, the hundreds, but but again, when you're managing teams, you have individuals. It's like mm-hmm. everyone has their own personality. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm headed. And you learn mm-hmm. those individual personality, what you know, how they function. Mm-hmm. Um, just how they how they work individually and collectively. And so in doing so, I think what's important is that you like people. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to enjoy people, um, get to know people, meet them where they are. You don't just wake meet up one day and yeah. you're you're a leader by title only because people have to be willing to follow. And um, so I don't take the title. Some people believe in, you know, I'm the director, I'm in charge. And so you will. You have to earn people's respect. Now, you think that slants toward male and female? That's that that old perspective still. I mean, do you see would you if theoretically you had to be asked the question, would you expect men to act more like that or women to act more like that? Or what's your take? As on the individual? As I think that it's an ego thing. It's a personality. I think more men tend to um, um, believe in the adage that I'm in charge mm-hmm. and and so you will and mm-hmm. and you're expected to. I don't know about other women. Mm-hmm. I know about for me personally mm-hmm. that because I have been part part of a team, not necessarily the leader of that team, the director of that team. I've seen both sides. Yes. And because of that, I understand that it's important to know them on a not totally intimate and personal, but 
it just helps to know or get to know the individual that's working for yeah. you, yeah. Um, what, their, what their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, and then as you do that and in giving instruction, direction, being open to listening, um, you may agree, you may not always agree, but in, people like input. They like to feel like they've been heard, whether you whether you implement their idea or you um, uh, agree with what they're saying, being heard is very important. So being a leader, whether you are male or female, whatever your peep that respect is, is critical. Very nice. And that's the direction I wanted to go because I, I've been in leadership uh, quite a while in a lot of different circumstances as well, and especially teaching, you know, people skills and martial arts and all. And I realized that it's an it's an intricate fabric that we weave with this whole thing. And I don't know that you're always exactly the same any given day. You know, I think about tact and diplomacy as just a theory. And, you know, Webster defines the word tact as the ability to appreciate the delicacy of a given situation that to do or say the most fitting thing. Like every day, every circumstance, you could do something, but is it the most fitting? So I think it's worth it to look for the most fitting. I don't think everybody always does. I think they do just whatever their personal standard is. Mm -hmm. Sounding like to me that you're looking for the best behavior for the situation. Absolutely. See, so that's where I transition to the next question, which is, let's just say you have a very effective um, team member who happens to be junior to you. And we talk about tact and diplomacy. And let's just say they're, they're having a challenge with coming to work on time and, and being responsible uh, in the position. Now, they, let's just say they've been there five years and then suddenly on the fifth year, something's wrong. So do you stay within the standard of, listen, you're breaking the rules. I need to you know, admonish that. Or, or do you watch closely? Or, you know, so let's just say tardiness is the issue, right? So do you just challenge them on tardiness and call it a day or do you investigate deeper? And this is for a, a lesson for us all is what I'm reaching for. What, what, what do we do in a case like that? They've been good. What the heck? What's wrong with them? Yeah, I think that if you have a rapport with the individual and you notice there's something has changed, you can, again, meet them where they are, have, call them in, have a conversation. How are you? This is what I noticed. How can I how can I help? You know, they may not want to share all the details. You want to give them some referral, some maybe they need counseling. Maybe they need uh, maybe there's someone who is a colleague in the office who you could see they have a connection where they may want to speak to a peer. Maybe it's not you. But oftentimes when you see a change in behavior, Something has occurred. And even for me as a leader, you know, I'm still human. And so there may be some difficulty that any of us could be going through at any given time. So I may be having a bad day. I come into the office. People pick up on my vibe. You know, I have to you know, look at myself as well. I mean, it's not it's a two way street. You know, they may be having a bad day bad week, bad month. And that's that human aspect of it. And I don't think anyone should take that out of the equation. 
Most organizations have protocols for how to follow referrals for counseling, whatever that case may be. Most people just want to know you noticed um, you are there to help them. Um, it Just knowing them, knowing that you care enough to pick that up or you care enough about who they are as an individual means means the world. They may not, they may be having a bad week or two, but they turn it around. I mean, they'll know that if, if in and that may be maybe that's me. It could be the female. I, I can't tell you, um, but it's important, I think, to have that conversation. My staff, I believe they know that I care about who they are personally. The world, we come here to do a job and they are expected. And if there's something that's going on for them, I'm off my game, Miss Lee. I got you. You know, we, we have a team. We have that team mentality, how we work collectively. We can't all be in the A spot today. Precisely. You know, so mm -hmm. I think we have to, um, as leaders, again, recognize that people have, we all have strengths, we have weaknesses, we have good days, bad days, and we have to be supportive as leaders of our team. There are protocols, again, to follow when people are not not following direction or the rules are the rules. And I think communication being key, no hidden agendas. When you have hidden agendas, it doesn't play out very well. So um, I think I've been successful. Why does caring matter? I mean, do we have to? I mean, let's face it. There are those who would tell you, I don't care if they're in construction or if they're in a business environment or they're in a government environment. That Look, you have a job to do. Just go do it. Why should we care? Because work is what we do. That human aspect of who is who we are. So you come to work to do whatever it is you're paid to do, whether it's construction, whether it's, you know, paperwork, whatever that the case may be. But when you care, it's that that human aspect. You never get away from that. That's who you are at your core. But what about those who say that makes you weaker, though? That means that you're letting the employee run the show. Are you kidding? When you care. When, and you and you are able to demonstrate that in your people, they work harder for you. They'll 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 bend over backwards to because they know you care about. There it goes together, you know, caring and getting things done, um, really to go together. No matter what the profession may be, um, I think it's like, you know, we're HUD, but people who work in the military, people who are on the front lines. You know, they go in and they they work as a team to get things done. That's a combination of tactics as well as the human aspect of caring about the outcome. Very strong, you very know, strong. We all, we all, we're better together than we are oh, individually. Boy. Preach. And so that's what um, what a good uh, work environment really looks mm -hmm. like when you when you're bound together and you're you have a mission and you're supporting and got each other's back. And it seems that the message you're also delivering is that we have more in common than we do apart oftentimes. And we tend to, lots of environments and lots of people, tend to focus on the differences, maybe even a little too much. Well, exactly. So, you know, this talk was about, you know, women and men in management and leadership and whether you are male or female, this 
this human aspect of who we are and what we're trying to get done transcends the gender. Mm -hmm. It very much does. It should. Absolutely. Ideally speaking. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I believe that I've been, again, very successful in my career. I've enjoyed, you know, every job, every opportunity that I've had mm -hmm. and the people that I've worked for, they make me look good. Yeah, there you go. That's nice they to make say. Me look good. That's a beautiful thing to say. And I and I thank beautiful. them for that. I beautiful for thing that. to say. Yeah. It really is. So I know that, you know, when I retire, which will Coming be up. right around the corner, ah! when I leave my office, mm -hmm. even on a on a vacation like the one we just we just experienced, gone. I don't, I don't, I get, it gets done. Mm -hmm. My folks know what to do. They get it done. They make me look good no every day. And I've got their back just like they have mine. And I think um, it's been a blessing. Well, you know, as, as I'm listening to this, having had some experience as being a teacher, an instructor, I'm listening to the first portion of your career was really about a lot of learning. And then later it began sharing and interacting in a form of teaching. And to me, one of the ultimate teaching capacities in this world is being a mother. And now look, if we talk about women in the workplace, any workplace, we better put that part about being a mother and a woman in the workplace. You know, what what messages would you deliver on that to these women, women who are trying desperately to, to do it all? They do more laundry at home. They cook more at home. They work the same amount of hours as their man might work. But effectively, they're motivated to do this because of who they are, how they were taught, etc. Is that a challenge or is it just a piece of cake? And what would you offer for advice on how to handle that business? This may sound sexist, but <laughs> um, I believe that women are better multitaskers. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be the first to have said that. We, you know, they, there's that song about, you know, bringing home the bacon and frying it up in the pan. And we just get it done. Um, I know that I have had support of a spouse early in my um, in my marriage. And um, so traveling, you know, it took took a took a husband, a partner, whoever, to provide that kind of support initially. And over time, you know, as I divorced yeah. um, and became um, the household head of the household, um, being organized mm -hmm. is very important. Mm -hmm. Having external support mm -hmm. has helped, um, whether it's family or, good, or friends. It has been important, again, you know, having a schedule, being, you know, it's having plans can sometimes get plan A and you got to have plan B. But I remember oftentimes running to the bus stop, jumping on the bus, hoping I got to the daycare center in time to pick up my kid before six o'clock. But if I didn't, I had backup out, you know, having support, backup support has always been been great. You know, again, um, scheduling, managing my time, um, having um Raising the children, being supportive of them at school, it's been it's been very challenging. Yes, I because you know I was at all of the 
the Girl Scout events, dance dance programs, all of that, all of that. But part of it, too, is the company that I work for, Mm -hmm. working for the federal government. Um, There were very um, pro um, family and providing that support. Yes, I work long hours sometimes other than other times. So that's where my backup support came in. And of course, you know, I was living in another state. I didn't have family where, mm-hmm. you know, so I had Not great, always easy. I had great friends mm-hmm. and um, support systems. So, you know, it was a the company is a family friendly organization. So I was I'm, I think I managed it pretty well. Mm-hmm. My kids are now. Adults, yeah, that's right. And um, I think I did an excellent job. I was mm-hmm. the band uniform mom. I did all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my I was very serious about everything I did, whether it was at work or at home or in my social life. Um, I just made a plan. You know, I just worked it all in. You know, I think I should have cloned myself two or three times, but but you know, um, I'm I have a I have a lot of a lot of energy still, you know, still you left in me. Yeah, you so tell. you know now a lot of good information to input yeah. too. I've seen it. You I've can get it done. I mean, it's a matter of can do. You know, there were days like most people. You know, you don't want to get up and. You just oh, you just turn That's over and keep it moving. Keep it moving. Right. You know, every day is a is a good day. You know, tomorrow will take care of itself. You just gotta don't look back. Might be gaining on you. You know, so it's yeah. um and it's kept me um invigorated. You know, every, you know my health has been great. I've been blessed in that regard. Yeah, so. Well, you know, I think I know the answer to my next question, but I'm gonna ask it. So then effectively, would you encourage women to continue to pursue their goals in business and in government and all manner of other, you know, occupations so that they can feel, um, I don't know, fulfilled and even empowered, but yet still raise a family? Or would you say, nah, don't don't start a family. Don't do that. It's too hard. What would you say? Oh, it's not hard. (laughs) It's not hard. It depends on the individual, though, because. Whatever it is you pursue, it has or should be something that you enjoy and who you are. Not all women want to do work a nine to five. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they want may want to be um, someone who takes care of their family, their home, because, again, that's very challenging as well. Um, just whatever you decide to do, hopefully it's it's. Um, gratifying to you it fulfills you the the what you're giving and getting something back whatever that may be um the hopefully you know i'm again a person that believes in giving to others growing and helping that's just who i am but i think that as long as whether it's a federal private sector you know have children don't have as long as you're personally fulfilled, I think that's the most important thing. It's not how much you're paid. It's that whole feeling, again, self-gratification mm-hmm. is what matters most. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree very much. And it's really interesting that uh, it used to be a time where, you know, women who ran households and were a stay-at-home mom were more standard than it is now. 
Uh, but I think it can be beautiful if it's the decision that you make and it functionally works best for your family. Absolutely. And so at the same time, I think it's also very positive if you pursue your goals and you do it with a hearty enthusiasm and you, you know, uh, you know, execute and have a good time with your life. I really do just think that you shouldn't put limitations on yourself, whatever gender, wherever you are, whatever race, especially too. And while, again, this is not a race discussion about women in in uh, business or, or government, et cetera, but it, it applies to everything we are in this country, unfortunately. So I would say to people, just as that quick little shout out, listen, if, you, if you're an African-American woman, a Latino woman, somebody other than the the standard as we see it, please pursue your goals. Don't limit yourself, please. Would you agree? Absolutely. And another thing I might just point out, I have seen men, the the roles that men are playing in their families, I've seen an increase in their, again, role of we're not always the ones running out to pick up the kids yeah, and drop the kids true. off. And I definitely know about <laughs> it. <laughs> I've seen qu- quite a few men, yeah. you know, who are faced with the same challenges that yeah. we have. They're taking care of the children. They're taking them to yeah. daycare in the morning. You know, they're so I can see a blending of some of those roles. And it's beautiful to see because women are realizing um their who they are and and what they can contribute uh, working every day and their their husbands or partners are are supporting them so it's a win-win situation i i agree so much as a uh, a person married to someone who has been on the road her whole career as a flight attendant right you think about the adjustments i've had to make and i had to really learn this role I wasn't I didn't start this off understanding it. Frankly, I rejected it for a little while there because it was confusing. It was challenging. Uh, It was it was it just really threw me off. It's like, wait a second. And then I learned and I said, you know what, bro, wait a second now. If we can just organize this thing, do it together, we'll be okay. And certainly there you go. So when we talk about women who are leaders and managing and now, you know, how men are adapting to our new roles. I, I mean, know. you're I'm an that example guy. of that. Absolutely. I'm that guy. So really, I have so much respect. But just a moment to really congratulate you, really. You're sitting here because I respect you so much as an individual, right? As yes. my friend and my sister, right? Uh, and having watched you do what you do, having watched you endure challenge and difficulty and maybe even a little pain. Right in there. Right. But then come out standing up. Right. Absolutely. That's what I'm about. Come out standing up in spite of what anything happens or anybody says you come out standing up and do what you have to do. I respect that tremendously. That's why you're here. And then I, I like to I like to say out loud when I feel good about what somebody's done. Why? Because it's a lesson for us all. I think we all can find these good examples of horrible behavior in this world, right? right? But we also need to put forth some effort to find that good behavior, those good successes, and you represent that. So I just want to say congratulations for coming so far. Thank you for being an example to those before, uh, those after you. And you know what? You're going to continue to teach even in retirement. Absolutely. Because somehow or another, you ain't going to be able to hold it in. I'm not done. <laughs> you know, it's going to continue to come out. Absolutely. So thank you. So before we end up, 
if there's a piece or pieces of environment of, of uh, advice in a general way that you would like to offer, and I'm trying to stay specific to women again on this one before we depart, because men will get something from it indirectly anyway, right? Even if it's advice. But what would you share that has that maybe we haven't touched, or even if we have to reemphasize that, girl, make sure you remember this. What would it be? I think I would say. Don't allow other people to label who you are, to define who you are. You have to be true to who you are. Don't let titles, again, define you. Um, Oftentimes, people, again, they like to, to tell you who you are, call you by a name, you are you are unique and you have to go through life knowing that um, that you are that and not be intimidated by what people you know may say or think you know we're all unique individuals and called to, to a purpose and you want to fulfill your purpose. I, I think it's important to be genuine, to be caring. Um, again, you know, professional in a work environment, whatever that may be. Um, it means different things to different people in different environments, but just remain true to yourself. I think, and then at the end of the day, if you can walk away and say, I've done everything, you know, I, I can do, you know, professionally, um, personally, these are the contributions I've made. I feel good about it. There's, there's nothing more for me to do here. I'm moving on to the next chapter of my life. Um, I think you can be proud. I think you can be proud. I agree so much. And, and I must say here, uh, as we uh, wrap up our session sitting together today, something sticks with me about what we've talked about. And that is Uh, It's okay to treat a person, another individual who may be junior to you as a human being and to make the effort to do it up front and not run from it. And you can still lead them. You can still direct them. You can still institute policy if you but you can still care a little about the human being. Why? Because you're sitting across from yourself. You're a human being, too. And you hope that someone would treat you fairly when you're having a challenging time. And I've had those situations where. I was asked by senior management to to terminate someone. And before they even asked some questions about what was going on, I interviewed the person and sat down and found that they had some really legitimate issues going on and we didn't have to terminate them. And we wind up having them stay on with the company for a long time because we discovered there was something real going on. You know, a relative had cancer and nobody knew or whatever the case may be. So it's worth a try for us, isn't it? Absolutely. Caring is is critical. I mean, again, us as human beings, being caring is, is, again, like you mentioned, very critical. I mean, it it really is. And so I care about you, my dear. And so thank you for coming. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. This is Um, great. And you as our first woman guest inspires me. And I don't care to emphasize just being a woman from here going forward. We've gotten this done. We've made our point. But guess what? We all in this together, right? Absolutely. And for all those women who came before me, um, women who mentored me over the years, um, 
I feel like I've done them proud. I think you have. I would agree very and much. I thank them very much. Longevity alone speaks to that, but the quality and depth of what you've done is amazing. And I, I thank you. I hope I can be an example. On behalf others. of my mother and sisters, I was raised by a single parent. All the people that I've interacted with, thank you for doing us proud. Thank you for having me. It's You're been a very pleasure. welcome. You're very welcome. So thank you for checking in with us again today uh, for our episode of Round 12. And may you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!